Welcome to the BWT But We're Together podcast. Eavesdrop on our conversation as an interracial couple. I'm Darlene and I'm black. I'm Wes and I'm white. We are going to talk about travel and lifestyle, family and personal topics, education, news, and trending topics. Let's go. Hey, Darlene. Hey, Wes. Uh, so, yes. this is BWT Season 2. Season 2. Episode 1. They said it wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know who those voices are, but we're going to ignore that. Uh, and we're going to kind of move quickly into our subject here today. Yeah. Because BWT this year, in 2019, is recommitted to bringing great content. Yeah. And sound, that sounds like a commercial, but it's really like a mission statement. This is our mission statement yeah. is to bring great content and to be committed to talking about black, white talk. That's right. BWT stands for But We're Together, but also stands for Black, White Talk. And we're not going to shy away from talking about our lives as an interracial couple. Yes. And so that... that um, has been inspired because this weekend. Yeah, what happened? We kind of took a, a little road trip. We like our little road trips. Yeah, we yeah we do. Yeah, and so we went up to Oakland. My mother was in town, and I um, went to visit her at my sister's house. As did I. As did you. <laughs> and we visited your mother when she visited our house on Christmas. So the holidays are kind of a trip, right? There's a lot of there's a, a lot, lot of, of stuff going on. Yeah, and um. Depending on how those family dynamics have gone over the history of your life, you know, it could be great. But a lot of times stuff gets kind yeah. of brought up, like a lot of emotions and yeah. a lot of, you know, yeah, in, for internal sure. stuff happens. So um, what I'd like to do at the present moment is, oh, so we've been doing this 30-day blog challenge too, right? Yeah. And so um, Today, I happened to write a blog about our visit up north, yep. and I'm going to kind of introduce this episode or kind of uh, move into it by reading a piece mm-hmm. from that. That sounds good. Okay, so um, I'll start by telling you about a podcast Wes and I listened to on our short road trip this past weekend. The podcast is called Still Processing, and the hosts are Jenna Wortham um, and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Wesley Morris. They are both African-American. Morris is 43. Wortham is 36. In the first podcast we listened to, the two New York Times journalists reviewed the movie Three Billboards through a racial lens. Then they explained their critique to discuss how place in America grounds us and how when place becomes generic, we risk losing a sense of our identities and cultural foundation. So this episode was rated as one of the top 50 podcast episodes of 2018 by IndieWire. So I found the episode to be smart, well-researched, and thought-provoking. Yet, I was still left a little unsatisfied by something that I couldn't quite articulate. So in the next episode, Wes and I listened to, the couple discussed Black Panther, the movie. The featured guest was the award-winning writer for the Atlantic, Tallahassee Coates. Coates wrote the graphic novel version of the Marvel movie. This opus at this episode was straight fire. I mean, as I was listening to the three, the three hosts banter back and forth about all that is good about Black Panther, especially viewed from an African-American lens, I felt at home. Coates on the show elevated the conversation or maybe he freed the host to discuss blackness in America without restraint. And it hit me why the other episode I'd listened to bothered me. 
It's pretty obvious the two journalists, or their podcast rather, is supposed to represent a mainstream black intellectual voice. But when I listened to them talk about three billboards, I felt a certain cultural distance. Um, a similar distance I feel when I listen to NPR or other podcasts where black voices are maybe mentioned, maybe included, maybe even the topic of the discussion, but are still restricted by white correctness or white lens or the white gaze or however you might want to phrase that. And what Wes is doing is queuing up an excerpt from the podcast, uh, still processing, um, so that you could hear a little bit of what uh, I'm talking about and what I mentioned in my read. All right, so we're going to hear a minute of uh, the episode where they talk about Black Panther, and here we go. God, it's so African-American, I mean, isn't it? I mean, yeah. but it's like the essence of us. I mean, it is the essence, it's, of, it's us. The essence of us, you know? Um, and so uh, I think part of it is... Like, hasn't there always been this history of pop culture that we kind of felt was problematic, but it was what you had? Yeah, right. Like, my parents wouldn't let me watch Good Times, right? Mm. Like, they just wouldn't. They would let me watch Good Times and the Jeffersons. But Good Times and the Jeffersons are, in many ways, iconic for black people mm-hmm. in a particular way. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to listen to Prince. That's a different thing. But, wow. I mean, my mom tried really hard. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why my parents say, got yeah. divorced. Yeah. Because my dad was like, No, there was a lot of that in my house. Like, my mom hated Billy Jean. She wouldn't let me listen to Billy mm. Jean. Because of <laughs> yes. politics, there's a guy yeah. not taking credit for his kid. Yeah. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. So there's right. always this, like, thing. <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Maybe what like sets Black Panther apart is you can't imagine a black parent telling a kid you can't watch this. Right. Yeah, no, Which that's is a, very that's a great hard point, to yeah. imagine that. Yeah. So I love this so much. And it it helped me to kind of figure out what was wrong or what I felt was missing from uh their first podcast where they intellectualize and they talk really uh, specific about uh, three billboards and the cultural implications of it. Um, it was really, really good, mm-hmm. but you know, and yeah. um, is what happened was I was trying to articulate that to you, and yeah. then can you tell me how you receive that? We've well, talked about this, people, but we want you to hear what, what yeah, what's so happening between us. I think there was like on my part, there's a resistance to hear what you were saying, and and a lot of that came from that I. You know, I thought they'd done a great job and I, I thought they were smart and I thought it was insightful. And so I couldn't quite place how to give you credibility for what you were saying bothered you about the podcast. And in it, later in discussing it and kind of debriefing it, it, it made me think about this uh, literary theory called the uncanny where it's I think it's Sigmund Freud and he talks about how something is strangely familiar, but it's it's kind of twisted and it's a little out of place and it, it produces anxiety. Yeah. And so I, I think after thinking about it and hearing uh, you, well, you told me a lot. <laughs> I mean, you talked, trying you're to trying to get through to me, um, yeah. but it was really like, I, it was this anxiety that was coming from hearing this podcast where you didn't really hear the, the kind of cultural, um, embrace maybe of the african-american culture not just a topic but in a familiarity almost in like the tones of their voices right uh, which is not to say dialect but there were like these 
markers that you weren't you were looking for and they weren't there they just weren't there and i felt like settling and so then i was like well i am so bothered by this and then because you weren't you weren't feeling me like you didn't really understand this it left me feeling a little bit i don't know about sad but i definitely left me feeling um there it kind of created a little bit of a rift yeah it did it it did damage to the relationship for sure yeah I, i think Um, and so I kept trying to, what, what I was thinking, I started thinking about our podcast and then what, what we're doing. And, um, it really hit me that the thing that bothered me about their podcast, the first uh, episode about three billboards was the same thing that's missing from our podcast. (laughs) Mm. And, um, it's that thing where we say that we're going to talk about black and white relationships in in um, in context of who we are and what we go through, but I think for the most part, maybe on our vlog early on we did more of this, mm-hmm. but on our podcast we've been just agreeable and we've been kind of on the same page, yeah. and there hasn't been a lot of difference between what you and I do or uh, from any white couple maybe. Yeah, and so. I when I was missing something in the uh, the still processing what what I was missing or what I was looking for was that what is different about your podcast? Why would they put two black people together? Give them these topics that are racially influenced. Yeah, and can, um, can I just read uh, down their yeah, podcast? Yeah, uh, yeah. One's called yeah. "We Get Biracial." Like these are the the podcast. Um, episode Topics. titles yeah. we have a theory about oprah we're still still here for janet um of course we sink our claws into black panther that's the one um, that was the bomb oh, yeah gosh. we want to know what love is we paint the town obama you know so all these and, almost every other um, one's a direct re uh a direct relation to black history to or black blackness. culture yes and yeah. so I, I i just couldn't hear the difference in them when they talked about it in any in, in and from anyone that might talk about race, and it, I kind of likened it to like a NPR episode. Like I, I'm into those so episodes you, and segments, right? But I don't. You so know. you're saying when black people talk about race, it should sound different than when white people talk about race? Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, they're they, yeah. they're kind of talking from the inside, but I didn't feel the inside. Right. But it I was, felt it in Tanyasi Coates when right. he came, and yeah. so I it was, was this, like, "There it is. That's yeah. it." It was this uncanny thing you couldn't put your finger on. Right. And then also that I didn't, I think there was another uncanny layer is that I wasn't able to, like we're a husband and wife, we have a relationship, but I wasn't able to hear you. Right. Like you kept re-explaining. Yeah, I likened it to also like when um, in literature, when you're writing a character um, and you want that character to be known as a black character or right. someone from right. indirect Ira- characterization it, through yeah, dialogue. Yeah, through dialogue. I'm like, well, their indirect characterization left me wondering who who they were. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, I knew, I knew, but I didn't know. I didn't know. I couldn't feel it. Couldn't. Yeah. And so they they are wonderful that's that's they're working for the new york times they're like these wonderful journalists the guy's a pulitzer prize winner um but it left me asking questions and it really set me up to want to do better with our work yeah um, and so in in honoring that 
I wrote um, kind of a, a reflection about how do I how do I wrap my head around um, what happened to us. And actually, I I we went to a church up in Oakland, mm-hmm. and so writing about that experience, it's a black church, and and we um, just took you. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even think, I know right, and yeah. so we we went, and yeah. um, you know, you have to understand, I, and I know you're about to to read your excerpt, but because black people are always in white spaces, we probably don't give a lot of thought to when we ask our white person to come into our space. Cause they're like, yeah, just come on. Just like, I always just do what I got to do, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. And then there yeah. you were in this, not just yeah. black space, but yeah. Um, so I, I'll just, I'll just read this excerpt and then we'll discuss in visiting a place I've never been before. I feel unfamiliarity often when i feel the unfamiliar i feel an instability which seems easiest to describe or characterize most easily as favoring one of two different directions a positive reaction like excitement or a leaning in or a negative reaction like fear and a leaning away often places that are taboo might evoke both it's interesting that the word evoke includes the same root as vocation or calling familiar places call to us and unfamiliar places call to us as well. What's our response and why? If there's a layer element of fear, an unfamiliar place can resonate with a fear response, a leaning away, a flight response. So in visiting a place of blackness that I've never been before, there's both. There's a leaning in and a leaning away. So the the first comes from the fact that I'm married to Darlene, who is black. And so in this black church in Oakland that we visited, I feel a kinship and an interest in those things that are black. And the second comes from a fact that I may be viewed as an outsider. I might not be accepted, not simply because I'm different, but precisely because I am white. And not because of some inherent quality of whiteness I have, but because I walk in with the historical context of whiteness and what it's tied to. Colonialism, slavery, discrimination, police brutality, the list goes on. So in this moment, lean in or lean away. This church in Oakland is a black space. It's pastored by a black woman, so it's also a female space. The pastor and the congregation make it clear that everyone is accepted at the church. And it's a gay space and a transgender space. As she said during her sermon, if your mother and father turn their backs on you, you are not alone because we will not turn our backs on you. That was powerful, by the way. That was powerful. So lean in or lean away. The church is outside the tradition I'm familiar with, which is white, which is Lutheran, from the church of my childhood. As an adult, my church tradition is white and non-denominational. So in the black, female, gay, transgender space, I, the white male, lean in or do I lean away? I'm at the church with my wife, and so we stay, and as the message gets started, I'm touched by her words. She's preaching a message I need to hear. I lean in, cautiously. There's no big revelation or lesson about being in a black space. It's an experience. It's an experience offered, extended by the kind people at the church, people who hugged me as I walked in, people who made eye contact with me when I was introduced. So I guess the question I have is, how does that church visit fit with our podcast listening experience? I can say that the similarity... I don't know. You know what? I don't know. I I just know that I am familiar with the podcast as it appeared and how I heard it. Um, But the thing is, is that 
if they were if they were white people under the context of you know some NPR podcast or whatever, it would have been fine. But because I had expectations, because it was under this context or this framework of we have these two sort of young, um, very brilliant journalists representing black culture. So they're these these black intellectuals, and every topic that's on their podcast is about black blackness. So I have these expectations. I was, um, I, I, I actually turned off the, the, remember? <laughs> the I podcast turned it several off. times. You just interrupted. You'd hit the, I'm like, the what's wrong? And... What's wrong? What's really going on? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, that, that meant something to me because everything else was, was on point because I, I love intellectual talk. Right. I, I love talking about three billboards because I had the same view they did and they deepened my understanding of what I couldn't articulate about three billboards. Right. So it was just like kind of uh, effed up kind of, you yeah. know, because I'm like, oh my gosh, I love everything about this except that I don't feel like a, a kinship. And yeah. so, for, and for me, and what tripped me out was that um, when I was trying to explain that I need that kinship, and maybe I didn't say it well enough. It didn't, that doesn't even matter to you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So here I am trying to explain and articulate this need I have to you where you don't have that need. So why would you care? Why would you connect? Yeah. You know? And I think in that moment, using the lean in kind of metaphor, mm-hmm. like I was leaning away from you. Yeah. Like I was accepting the podcast as an authority, as. Well, there, um, and this goes to me with like understanding whiteness. Like, why did I, like, why couldn't I hear what you were saying? Is because I prioritized, well, the people who have the podcast published and they're New York Times writers, they're obviously the authority in this situation. And so I think some of the things about understanding whiteness is like work. And like, if you read the, the, kind of the Twitter feeds about who should do anti-racist trainings, um, should it be white people or people of color? Like there's, there's work to be done by white people understanding what whiteness means. And so for myself, as I reflected on it is it was like, I, you know, I looked up to Wesley Morris is like more like within a minute (laughs) and (laughs) And and we'd be married 11 years. And I was like, oh, he's he's so smart. And he's got this podcast. His name is like mine. His name's like mine. <laughs> we got the same name. And, and then so, can I just uh, interject yeah. a little bit? So what you're talking about is something that the black woman deals with on the daily is like that uh, tier of respect, you know? Yeah. And so for, for my husband to be, to give, um, you know, credence to someone that he doesn't not... You could give credence to everything that they're good at, but then like what I what happened to me is I felt unheard. Yeah, which and, is I, I associate that with being invisible. Yeah, you know, we and talk, I deal with that all yeah. the time. And so, like when you you might have you might make a joke or something in front of company during Christmas. <laughs> this may or may not be a true story. <laughs> this might, this might or might <laughs> um, not have happened. But in my because of my experiences in the world, that's going to cut a little bit differently than like oh, this says banter back and forth. No, it's not really. You know, yeah. because it's something um, that I that I have to deal with. Um, you know, on the, in the outside world outside of the people that I love. And I know you love me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this is like, uh, it's one of those things that I'm like, I, I kind of want to get out of the car right now. 
and take a walk and in the middle of nowhere (laughs) uh, (laughs) smelling like cow dung you know um and it and i think it's because both of us like to get at the root or the bottom of things well at least i do maybe you don't and that's something i don't understand i or i thought i did and maybe i don't but i like to get at the root of um an issue like i want to solve the problem Uh, that's what happens when you get into education and that's what happens when you've uh you live in a in a in a childhood where you have to sort of figure out how to like navigate that space right um so i mean that reminds me of um bell hooks talks about this a need uh this is in teaching to transgress where she was talking about multicultural classroom settings and and specifically about whiteness she talked about um because the predominance of women who are teachers mm-hmm. um white women and here's a quote white women who have yet to get a critical handle on the meaning of whiteness but then they're teaching black literature and they don't understand that there's a lens there that they don't know is there and so she kind of posits like they're doing this analysis without critically connection uh critically questioning uh what whether their view is anti-racist or racist or or where it's coming from so then the question back to me is is do i lack a critical handle on what? meaning of whiteness in my life. And the answer would probably well, be... <laughs> when you're coming to me with information like, this bothers me, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, there's a dissonance. There's a dissonance to you. Yeah, it's like a musical instrument. Yeah. Um, like where you're like, this this is off key. And I'm like, it sounds like it's on pitch. Well, I well, mean, then- I think that cognitive, cognitive dissonance, the dissonance is, yeah, there's no note, musical note to that for you. Right. And so it's a note that you've just been introduced to and you have to now like figure out if that's meaningful to you, if you're going to listen to it, who do you give credence yeah. to? Um, and, you know, for me, we're married, you know, it should always, the deference should go to me. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how you feel, but if you don't, you, we probably need yeah. to talk about that. But um, and then like all this time, you don't trust my own insight. But then you've been telling me you do. So and especially when it comes to race, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it was it was yeah. a, a moment. It was a moment that I think um, for both of us, I'm like, oh, he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He does not know. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're talking now, but this is like I've I've written, I've read, I've reflected. And like it wasn't comfortable. Like I had to sit there and, and go. I'd rather do something else than look at this issue. Um, and the the issue is really like, what am I um, prioritizing or valuing over what my wife is telling me? And in that space where you're saying this, there's something off about this conversation. I can't put my finger on it. Then like, I need to say, well, t- tell me more about that, you know, it, rather than you kind of had a little mansplaining thing going on. <laughs> you were like, well, what you're, what's actually wrong is that you just don't like that he's white. I mean, that he sounds white. And I'm like, that, that's not it. Right. That, that wasn't it at all. And then right. And you... they, me getting judgmental about like, oh, you, you need to get over yourself. Yeah, because I'm a white guy and I'm a nice guy and I think he sounds great. And, you know, yeah, because you connected well with him. <laughs> you know, it's like exactly what you want to hear. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, BWT. <laughs> but we're together yeah well um 
I think I have a question for you, and that's in that in that moment where you are like you're puzzled by something, you're trying to figure it out. But what do you need from me? Like, what's what's helpful in that situation? And we know it's not mansplaining. It's not insisting on the credentials of the podcast host. What's a helpful way to engage? Like, what do you mean? Because I kept saying there's no signifiers, there's no markers, there's no nothing that that gives me this this thing that I that I would want in a podcast that's framed this way. And um, you were quiet. Mm. And sometimes being quiet is okay, but not when I'm reaching out for you to sort of um, help me, you know, kind of get through this. And it, and if our relationship was different and that's not something we did, then maybe it would be different. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't expect something, but like in most instances, you're trying to work through things, work through my issues with me. So then this time you were like this uh, kind of stranger. Hmm. And and I definitely felt the rift. Yeah. I felt like like where I wanted to go was like, well, let's listen more and you'll get it. And you were like putting, you know, hitting stop, hitting pause because you're like, listening is not going to solve it because there's something I'm already cued into yeah. that I need to work out and think about and figure out. So on my part, I didn't give up because we listened to them two more times. We actually listened to them review or talk about uh, or give tribute to Aretha Franklin. Yeah, And so true. it wasn't like I gave up on them because you don't, because as a black person, I'm not going to give up on black people. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, I'm going to listen to another one yeah. uh, because so many things were right. And I want to see, well, what are, what are they talking about? You know, what are they yeah. talking about in, in this regard? Um so we hung in there, and then it wasn't until they had their guest, Tanahasi Coates, mm. um, in that podcast, it became very clear, like, oh, I get it now. That's what I just, uh, and actually, I was tr- I was hoping, I'm like, that's it right there. And I'm not sure that you were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think you were. It was still sort of this thing like that is maybe just a black thing, because I, cause I think there's a value issue, right? So white people value, especially, you know, intellectual white people, they value intellect and they value order and they value um, argument, argument, right? Logic. Uh, Yeah. They Mm -hmm. value those things. It doesn't necessarily. And that's the heart of the matter. Right. But for black people, the heart of the matter is this familiarity and this like inside lens and this talking about um, things that are familiar um, and especially when it's just black people, we want to hear mm. that those um, those conversations, those signifiers that say, oh, yeah, 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 I got that. I got yeah. that. That happened at the black church. Like when I uh, the lady was yeah. just everything. She's popping off all this stuff that I'm like, oh, that's familiar. That's familiar. That's yeah. familiar. Um, so and we- when you're in a white world, when you go to a all black space, you expect it. It's like going to the barber shop, going right. to the beauty shop. I mean, you expect it to happen, and it usually just does because with it, everything falls away, right. and you're just there with your with you know this uh, cultural identity. Yeah, I was thinking Du Bois's dual consciousness. Like, did you feel like almost like a third consciousness? Like, I mean, they were talking about race from a black perspective, but it lacked another layer that you 
expect to be in a conversation yeah, about was, race by black people. And so it's crazy, right? So they were talking about three billboards and how those um, those markers, once they're gone from a town, like you go back to a town and everything's different. Like it maybe everything's corporatized. Right. And so everything is like a Walmart and a, and a uh, TJ Maxx. And right. So you have those things and all the mom and pop stuff is gone. So I felt like the mom and pop and them was gone. Mm. And so it was kind of like they're talking about these things like where you feel culturally removed and culturally kind of stagnant. But they're 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 kind of the exemplifier of that, too. Mm. And and I was like, it was crazy how I was listening to it and still looking for like, well, where where is the uh, mom and pop store that used to be here? You know, (laughs) right. Um, in their voices and in the in the conversation. But when Tanahasi Coates came, he they did. And it could have been right. You're talking about. It, no, it wasn't. It was it was how he was free to talk about it, I think. Yeah, he came in and engaged on a more familiar right. ground culturally, right. and yeah. they responded. They responded, because yeah. it's there. And he's he's a beast. Like, yeah. they have respect for they him. They totally have respect. And so he they would let him kind of guide that, um, that vibe, you know. Yeah, and I, I think they would probably say we're wrong and they didn't act any different you know so i'm aware of those things but you know as we processed it we were listening to the tanahasi coats episode with an eye for yeah what what's different right yeah yeah and so as amazing as they were you know and then that puts the, but then you know look who they work for look what um, now, now you're then, doing what i did no no i know <laughs> but i'm just wondering like like that pressure that's on me to not be completely authentic with about our stuff. Yeah. It's, it has to be there. Yeah. You know, that's For not sure. different. Yeah. And so, are they somehow free? Yeah. Freer than everybody? I, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Yeah. And so, I mean, it just, it, but we are actually, we're probably, we, we're not tied to uh, yeah. sponsors or, or that type of thing. It taught me that, you mm. know what, you, you, me, Darlene, you need to be more authentic. Um, and uh, bring up things that are maybe a little bit painful, yeah. you know, and um, discuss them. Because if we're, we could be anybody else right. and we could just be agreeable, but that's not, that's not yeah. helpful, is it? I mean, yeah, you, you get a, like a, oh, I'm going to listen to them because they get along so well and they're America's example of, uh, you know. Right. Like, we're no. like the token interracial couple. Right. That's not what we want. That's not what we want. And we do this because we feel like, the conversations we have, like, I mean, it started with a vlog, but the conversations yeah. like you would have in a car where no one else has access to yeah. the conversation, that level of honesty and that level of probing and that level of kind of mulling over what our childhoods did to us yes. and how do we accept that or refute that and, and walk forward. Um, we want to do a better, more honest job because we we don't think we're in this relationship by accident. We think exactly. we think this relationship matters not it just matters. for us but for the world and not as a token either. Yeah, but something more meaningful than that. Yeah. Um. And so we, I want to be res- be responsible. Um. You know, um. Or have some fidelity to what we originally set out to do. You know. Um. So, having said that, um. <laughs> So I'm wondering, should I read the rest of my... Yeah, I think that's a good answer? idea. Okay, so... Um, this, so just to contextualize it, this is the second half of the blog post that you wrote as part of our 30-day writing challenge um, where you, you kind of wrap up. What what does it mean, yeah. this uh, this uh, 
moment of discomfort or, you know, not kind of reconciling. How do I reconcile this stuff? Yeah. So, um, so also today is the seventh day of Kwanzaa. And um, that's a celebration, a, a black celebration that came about, I guess, right after the Watts riots. And um, it was it was developed so that blacks could um, celebrate ourselves and our communities and our growth and our um, identities and just all of these things that make us who we are, um, but celebrate it so that we can become more unified. And so today's the seventh day of, and I wrote about this too, sort of during the blog, so I was kind of integrating it. Um, Anyway, today's the seventh day of Kwanzaa, um, and it's called Imani, or faith. Uh, These are Swahili words. We are to believe with all our heart in our people, our parents, our teachers, our leaders. It was kind of revelatory to me to have this insight about still processing. But what was even more revelatory is how often I find myself restraining my behavior, my writing, my thoughts, my every fiber to confirm, conform to my environments that are often devoid of people of color. I had to ask myself the question, are you believing in what you have to offer with all your heart? Where's your faith in your story? When Wes and I began our vlog and podcast with a title that implies we will share our life from the perspective of an interracial couple, but we're together, black, white talk, it occurred to me this weekend, I'm not believing with all my heart in our story, a story of which I'm responsible for half. What frustrated me about still processing is the same problem I have in the creative work Wes and I are doing. What I'd like to do this year is seek to raise the importance of the work so that our audience will feel at home. You and our... skipped a line. Did I skip a line? Let me see. What I'd like to do is seek to raise the faith bar, seek to take our work more seriously, believe more wholeheartedly in the importance of the work so that our audience will feel at home and our messages resonate in meaningful ways. Faith is hard. Fear is easy but useless. Faith is essential in sustaining any creative work whether it be a podcast, a book project, or community work. I think we've heard often enough that our stories matter. We know that. What I'm interested in doing this this year is exercising a faith that believes telling my or our story and all its uniqueness is not an offense, but a gift. And this is worthwhile work. Amen. So that's my commitment. How do you think you could handle those situations differently? Because it was kind of a surprise, right? You're like, oh, what? <laughs> I don't yeah. really. So what would, what do yeah, you. Yeah, I'm looking at a five hour drive. I was like, please let us listen to podcasts the whole way. That will be great and delightful. And you're like pushing stop. And you're like, something's wrong here. <laughs> and so yeah. I, was, I had this like trajectory all planned out. In tackling the issue, the question you answered, what can I do differently? Yeah. Is I, I need to understand that part of what's happening in our relationship is there's a lens of whiteness and there's this perspective like why I couldn't hear what you were saying is part of me prioritizing like the podcast host is the authority and you know that's that's where the the value comes from is not in questioning it and saying what's wrong with it um, but going along with it Mm. and so just understanding that that I bring that lens of whiteness to it because I'm white I grew up in the dominant culture that's not something I escaped when we got together. No. You know, that's, and every time we go in a place that's um, like, let's just say a grocery store or um, a place of business where, you know, 80, 60 to 80% of the people are white. Right. Um, 
I do I do recognize when I'm in an all white environment. Like I'm sensitive to that because I'm like this. This, like, like, dang, this is all white people. Yeah, I'm yeah. sensitive to it, um, or I recognize it, but I don't. That those are the exceptions. Like you're usually in a mostly white environment, and then you just sort of let your your awareness of this lens of whiteness drift away because you're like, well, there's there's some people of color around, but the fact is that it's it's always there, right. and you don't erase 47 or 48 years of living in America and the dominant culture. Right. Um, you always have to practice that awareness and and saying, well, what does that mean, and what am I prioritizing, and what am I listening to. Um, and then what do I need to do to shift that so that I'm a better husband, a, a better friend, a better um, companion to people who are going through life with you? Yeah. You know, um, so th- those are those are my questions. My commitment is to is to check myself and say, what is what is the lens of whiteness bringing to this conversation and how can I um, make room for other voices and other perspectives that are maybe being blocked off or cut off from that? Yeah, that sounds fair. And it sounds like, um, you know, I think life is just constantly like a, you do, you, you have, you do an act and then you reflect on it. There's an act and then there's reflection. And so I think we won't stop doing that, but it sounds like you're committed to, um, really remembering that that reflection is part of the process, you know, to, to understanding and to, you know getting past whiteness and being a nice guy yeah and being being not just reflect later but then in the moment yeah remembering that that's part of how i see the world and and how to how can i see yeah. it in different ways yeah yeah that sounds good um i think i mean we could talk more about when i was in oakland and how that was uh different than being in irvine <laughs> you know but i mean i think we kind of captured um I think we did it. I think we yeah. captured what we wanted to. And then I think that just remembering that for the next time, I think our audience can expect um, the same level of uh, honesty or conflict. We're going to talk about those things that, like I said earlier, they may be painful and they may be uncomfortable, but it really is what we're living. Yeah. You know, Um yeah, and I, I have to give, I mean, I was in a Twitter conversation not that long ago with some other educators, um, and the question was posed, it was a poll about who should do anti-racist training. Should it be white people, white women, white men, people of color? And so I, I was engaging in that conversation, but I just have to thank those people for, um, they were saying, like, white people should read up on whiteness. Yeah. Like, you should study what white privilege is and what whiteness is, and it's not it's not an invisible thing. It can be studied and understood. And that's part of what I tried to bring to this podcast is, is allowed, uh, their influence and their suggestions, uh, to permeate into me and make me different because I was, because why does it even matter that you know anything? Okay. Like, yeah, I'm your wife. So you have a stake in it, but why do other white people need to read up on whiteness? I mean, it's your world. It, you're the dominant culture. It, uh, you know, we even say that it's your world. You know, do your thing. So w- why does it even matter? Yeah, I think um, for me, one of one of the answers to a question like that is is like when I was like looking at a PhD in English literature. The question is like, why study so hard? Like, why try to understand? Why try to come up with a new interpretation 
of a book that's been interpreted interpreted a hundred times or a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that every perspective that you can offer is valuable. And there is not one perspective that is more important than, than all of those. And so for, for white people to try to understand their experience through understanding what whiteness is um, and white privilege and some of these concepts that come with that, it, it offers value because it, you're broadening. I mean, it sounds so simple. It's like going to college. You broaden your horizons. Yeah, you but know, when you broaden your horizons, how does that affect your everyday? Uh, well, one is empathy. I mean, yeah. just empathy, which is, if not the most important tool, one of the, the, the top tools of getting through life with a meaningful uh, life instead of relationships. Right. If no one empathized with any, and this goes back to the value of literature, yeah. is why I read, why uh, why do we read stories? Yeah. Because it, it teaches you empathy for people who are not like you. Right. And, uh, you know, we brought up this thing about, um, like a lot of people think, oh my God, America and this white nationalist stuff and this patriarchy and all this stuff is happening and it's tor- it's horrible and our country is horrible. And then, but when you start reading about, uh, reading news around the world, um, this nationalistic uh, viewpoint is pervasive. Yeah. And so how does, a, unless there's education about where this stuff is coming from, you're just going to raise up another generation of white boys and yeah. probably girls because they're going to marry them um, who have these like views that are, are, are tainted with, uh, or, well, that are very limited. Right. And they're going to be, and that's going to, make things like you're going to be influenced by a narrow lens yeah and not listen to other voices as you become an adult and as you become and so i mean this is um something that our world needs yeah our world needs to be better educated about whiteness and then about other cultures and you know it's just it's just so yeah it's so valuable and important yeah and that's uh, going back to bell hooks and teaching to transgress she was saying you as a white educator you should understand whiteness because as you come into the classroom it's not an invisible um, layer it's not an intangible layer you're actually seeing multicultural classrooms or even literature through through that lens and if you are doing it unconsciously right then you're you're really not seeing the world accurately right um, i had a teacher um because i was arguing in this one meeting um with english teachers uh about having more diverse books in this certain curriculum and the one teacher was like well i'm a, i don't really want to give kids these books because they won't have they won't be cultured <laughs> and oh. so <laughs> and I was like, she right? If we don't have them read Shakespeare, what what will become of them? What will become of them? And I was like, oh my gosh, she doesn't. She can't hear yeah. what she's saying. Yeah, like she's so it, that is such a white centered comment, and she wasn't white. Yeah, and, and wow, yeah, and it's like there's this um, phrase kind of going around academia now about like decolonizing your syllabus. Yeah, it's like you know you can have Shakespeare alongside Hurston, or you could have. I don't know, Gatsby alongside what would be something comparable. Um, Morrison, I mean, in terms of cultural um, time periods and stuff. Sure. Um, or something with Harlem Renaissance. You know what I mean? You don't, it, it could be alongside of it. 
Right. But the canon, it, you know, whatever that is supposed to be. Anyway, I think things are changing, but um, there's a whole bunch of teachers who, who don't see it. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's very, very important anyway. So I don't want to keep... Um, yeah, Keep well, going on about we're going to put links um, to the uh, the Still Processing podcast so you can take a look at that and the episodes we're referring to. Um, there's some, uh, we'll put a link to the Bell Hooks um, Teaching to Transgress. I got some good information from a, a resource website called uh, Alberta Civil Liberties Research Center. Mm-hmm. And they have um, information on learning anti-racism and right. uh, that that can come through learning about whiteness um so we'll we'll give you uh, links to those resources that sounds good yeah it's a good episode Wes. yeah thanks thanks darlene yeah i'm looking forward to it with all the the good stuff that's happening like the the new um was it uh miles morales the new um oh uh, yeah the the, the spider-man, Spider-Man. Movie. oh and i'm looking forward to the whatever is coming up with black panther whatever's next that's yeah. going to be uh pretty fun i mean yeah. yeah good stuff is happening we just have to keep conversations going and keep right. getting educated and keep loving each other yeah well said all right bye bye Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that really helps us out. You can also listen to us on Anchor, Google Play, and Stitcher. And follow us on social media, BWT, but we're together on Instagram. And Wes Creasel and Darlene Creasel 